Hello, my name is Will and you're listening to Exploding Helicopter, the only podcast in the world dedicated to celebrating helicopter explosions in film. Now, due to some unfortunate scheduling issues, I'm not able to bring you the Exploding Helicopter podcast in its usual format. I don't actually have a guest today, so I'm going to be doing my first ever solo show. That means you're getting me in my full undiluted glory. Aren't you lucky? Rest assured, we'll be returning to the usual half-baked, cobbled-together format soon, but I didn't want to leave you too long without something from me and your podcast play cue. Now, we hear an awful lot about Russian propaganda these days, as the Kremlin and their cronies try to interfere with elections and sow discord amongst their enemies. But the film I'm looking at is a curious example of government-backed anti-Russian propaganda. So on this show, I'm looking at the 2011 movie Five Days of War. Let's have a listen to a sequence of sound bites snappily cut together to suggest heightened drama. You see men with white armbands, black masks. You don't take pictures. You don't try to hide. You run. We have to do something. There's nothing we can do. We witnessed executions in a village. Sebastian got it all on tape. We have to get it out. How long for the uplink? About two minutes to transmit. They targeted us! What are you doing? Saving our footage. Get down! Tell me the location of the memory card, and I will let you all go. You have my word. How did you think you could survive this? I didn't. The Air Force is bombing all across the country. I believe the trials we face lead us to our purpose. You need to go get our footage out. The first casualty of war is truth, or so reads the sombre quotation at the start of this rather ridiculous movie. And in fairness, you can't argue against it, as in five days of war, truth isn't just a casualty. It's kicked in the nuts, waterboarded, then shot by a firing squad before the opening credits have even finished. Supposedly based on real events, this war drama tells the tale of plucky Georgia, the country, not the American state, and its heroic resistance in 2008 against a Russian invasion. Now, most independent commentators reckon there's blame on both sides for this messy conflict, but you'll find no such namby-pamby, even-handed ideas here. The reason why is simple. The film was part financed by the Georgian government, and one of its ministers is even listed as a producer. The result, unsurprisingly enough, is a galumphing piece of pro-Georgian propaganda, Swivel-eyed and angry, the movie ramps up the anti-Russian rhetoric so much it'd bring a blush to the cheek of a Fox News presenter. The story centres on Thomas Anders, played by Homeland's Rupert Friend, an American journalist in Georgia to report on the war. While helping a Georgian family flee the fighting, he films Russian soldiers cold-bloodedly executing civilians, then has to daringly escape through the front lines with the damning evidence of evil Rusky war crimes. Now, there's an odd, even schizophrenic aspect to this movie. Clearly, the Georgian Tourist Ministry, 
fearful that two hours of watching the country being reduced to rubble might discourage potential holidaymakers, has insisted on the inclusion of lots of idyllic travelogue imagery showing off the region's beautiful old towns and balmy countryside. In some scenes, you half expect Judith Chalmers to wander into shot and start extolling the virtues of the unspoiled beaches. But then the action will suddenly lurch back to a graphic depiction of wartime horror. For example, a wedding celebration ends in a bombed bloodbath. Back and forth it goes between sunny vistas and blasted buildings, cute pavement cafes and corpse-litted streets. It's like watching machete kills and wish you were here having noisy, confused sex, and not in a good way. Misfortune seems to be heaped upon this movie. Already staggering under the weight of Georgian governmental expectation, its credibility is further lumbered by two titanically over-the-top performances from a couple of has-been stars, namely Andy Garcia and Val Kilmer. Garcia has the juicier role as Georgian President Mikhail Saakashvili. Cast because of his physical resemblance to the great man, and, let's be frank, because he's generally available these days, his performance comes crashing to the ground every time he opens his mouth. Try as he might, the Brill Cream Smoothie is simply unable to maintain a Russian growl, and his weird Cuban lilt keeps leaking through. Along with Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins and Ray Winston's catastrophic American in Fool's Gold, this is one of the very worst accents committed to film. What's the news, Christopher? Any news from the Americans on our ceasefire proposal? I was told that President Bush spoke to both Medvedev and Putin personally. They're not interested. Putin left Beijing yesterday and said he was going to come here and command this personally. And he told Sarkozy that he will not quit until I'm hanged by my balls. There is some good news. The EU ministers have finally agreed to an emergency meeting. Oh, thank you, EU. An emergency meeting. Oh, oh let's bring cocktails, champagne, let's celebrate. Meetings, more meetings, and more meetings. No more meetings. Every time some people sit at meetings, more of our people die. The EU representatives have to come here. They have to stand with us. Val Kilmer has a smaller role as a maverick, slightly unhinged journalist. Though in fairness, his role is the only thing about him that is small. The striking blonde hunk we saw in Top Gun has long since been subsumed into layers of celebrity blubber. Big Val's famously hearty appetite for drink, drugs and however many burgers are on offer is, in a sense now, literally written all over him in rubbery bands of flesh. His entrance to the film is spectacular, with little warning, the shocked viewer is confronted with a paunchy, long-haired Val luxuriating naked in a bubble bath. It's like Jabba the Hutt's bigger brother has slithered into the wrong film. In his more successful days, Val was famous for on-set strops, minion bullying behaviour and ridiculous remove-all-the-red-M&M's style diva behaviour. So there's a certain grim satisfaction in watching the old fool get his gut out for a few paltry shekels though it can comfortably be assumed that the big man is these days administering to his own M&M compartmentalisation needs. And if all that weren't enough of a burden, then there's the ultimate death knell for any film, Rennie Harlan. Over the years, the scarecrow coiffured Finn has been accused of many things, but subtlety and sophistication are not among them. The dead hand behind such clunking high-concept fare as Die Hard 2, Deep Blue Sea and Cliffhanger 
our Rennie deals pretty much exclusively in explosions, car chases and gunfights. Indeed, his Nordic disposition seems almost offended by such quaint cinematic conventions as plot and character development. Harlan's stylistic peccadilloes are most readily apparent during a scene in which senior government figures anxiously discuss the country's fate. Confronted with people doing nothing more than actually speaking to each other, Harlan's unease is palpable. You can almost sense his panic. What is this? Two people in a room talking. Oh my god, there's pages of this stuff. Realising the potential for cinematic catastrophe, i.e. three straight minutes without an explosion, Rennie solves the problem with admirable simplicity. He just presses the directorial fast-forward button. Suddenly actors who'd previously been speaking in measured tones start rattling through their dialogue at machine gun pace. It's like they're taking bets at Asker. Complex plot points, whole swathes of story are hurled back and forth like hand grenades just so the Renninator can get back to blowing some stuff up. Still, such pyromaniacal intent was always going to pay dividends for exploding helicopter fans. And when a big, rusky Milhine 24 hoves into view, shooting up heroic Georgian soldiers, you can be sure Rennie isn't about to cut away to a scene of quiet, contemplative dialogue. Oh no, it's chopper fireball time. With his comrades under fire, one of the Georgian grunts whips out a rocket launcher and blasts the helicopter. Damaged, the Whirlybird spins into the top of a building before tumbling to the ground and providing our exploding helicopter money shot. As already mentioned, if there's one thing already knows about, and we've checked, there really is only one thing he does know about, it's how to blow things up. Thus, the audience gets to really relish the ailing chopper's death throes before seeing its final demise, all in lustrous, fiery CGI. Sadly, it's a pretty routine chopper fireball, which is a little disappointing as the Nordic Numpty has provided plenty of quirky helicopter explosions in his previous films. Uh, for example, in Cliffhanger, he gave us John Lithgow plummeting to his doom on an upside-down chopper. Uh, he gave us genetically mutant uh, sharks destroying one in Deep Blue Sea. And in 12 rounds, he treated us to a very unusual and quirky escape from an exploding helicopter. Although, curiously, despite his obvious penchant for blowing up helicopters, Harlan did direct the only Die Hard film that doesn't feature an exploding helicopter, which helps to explain why Die Hard 2 was for so long considered the worst film in the series, or at least until Live Free and Die Hard and A Good Day to Die Hard came along. And talking of tired series that people have lost all enthusiasm for, I'm going to wrap up this edition of the Exploding Helicopter podcast. As always, don't forget to check out the Exploding Helicopter website for more information about uh, films where helicopters explode. Please give us a shout out on social media and help spread the word about what we're doing. We'll be back soon, hopefully in the usual format. But until then, keep watching the skies for those exploding helicopters. This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com. Meetings. More meetings and more meetings. No more meetings.